Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be gathered here today as family. We ask that you send your spirit upon us so that you can inspire us and help us to connect with others, help us to share our feelings and our love that you have with us, with everyone else, so that our conversation today can be something that reaches out to others as well. Amen. 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 What's up, fam? So welcome to another episode of This Connected with Catholic.Dad um, podcast. Today, this episode, we have special guest panel crew from the Missionary Cynical family. And, you know, again, that's me, Catholic.Dad. And our co-host this evening and our kind of permanent co-host for a while is, is who? Valeria. Say hello, Valeria. Hello, you know, everybody. <laughs> you know, today, as usual, we're doing some honest talk about experiences, point of views, highs and lows about this thing called faith and life in general, with the hope that we will be able to connect generations and situations where we might not necessarily agree, but definitely be listened to. So enjoy this episode, and at the end, we hope that you could say this connected. Our episode, again, interview with the missionary Seneca family, is going to come real soon after these connected moments. And hey, Valeria, so what's our disconnected moments for this week and this podcast? What's some of the stuff that you found in the news that's going to be important to our Catholic listeners out there and all the listeners out there who might be wanting to know what Valeria is, has been looking at? <laughs> Hello, everybody. I've been looking at two main articles. Um, the first one is by Juno Arocho Seves, and it's from the Catholic News Service, and it's concerning about the Vatican City. So, Pope Francis' announcement that the Catechism of the Catholic Church would be updated to include a definition of ecological sin sent Catholic Twitter into a frenzy. Reactions ranged from praise for how seriously the Church was taking the obligation to care for creation to cynical. Cynicism. Cynicism, oh, you're right. That's or right. Or even outrage over the church's involvement in what many consider to be a highly politicized, politi- politicized. politicized issue. Oh, my God. Ooh. This create a sin is absurd, one person had tweeted. Another tweet argued that harming people is a sin, but not harming the common home as if the environment were a being. There's more interesting information information in the article, and so check it out on CNS article. It's dated January second, twenty twenty. Thank you for that, Valeria. You know, I was actually reading that in, the, in in that Twitter feed, and a lot of things were being said there, back and forth. A lot of negative things, a lot of positive things. And if anyone has ever read Pope Francis Laudato Si, you can kind of tell where that's coming from. Yeah. And wherever you stand, we must understand that you know, God gave us everything but to be good stewards of that and so i think people who are listening out there have that conversation don't yell at each other but have that conversation why is it being put there if you might not agree you might agree you might not you might disagree but definitely thank you for that um, article because definitely that connected with me so what's another one that you saw well another one that i saw is by indianapolis on the catholic news service again but it's about a cooking priest. That's pretty interesting. So we have Father Leo Patalinghook. Um, Pata oh, he's uh, Filipino. Yep, he is. No, he's my brother. 
as a reputation for creating meals that have been described as heavenly. Oh. All right. <laughs> During a November 22nd session at the National Catholic Youth Conference in Indianapolis, the Filipino American priest provided listeners with a different kind of recipe, five steps to become a teenage saint. Pato Lung, um, who travels across the country leading parish workshops and speaking about need for families to celebrate not just Catholic feast days, but everyday meals together, said the recipe is meant to help young people get into heaven. Before he offered specific steps during one of the many workshop sessions at the conference, stressed three points. The first he shared was, being a saint is calling in life. His second point began with a question for the young people, do you, want to get in, do you want to get to heaven? Then you'd better be a saint. He then stressed that everyone can become a saint if they follow five steps. Yeah. And I think those five steps, if you guys follow Catholic News Service, those five steps, you can find that if you look up Cooking Priest Shares Recipe to Help Teens Get to Heaven. I think that's our point is we want everyone to get to heaven because we always say, you know what, be a saint. What else is there? Because mm-hmm. if you don't become a saint, there is no other place except, well, you know where that is. Mm-hmm. So that's also really good, really good conversation topic for you guys. I love this, what you, what you put there. Because, you know, we're here with, um, with this family, uh, Missionary Senegal, mm-hmm. um, the Holy Trinity, right? Yes. Entire family here. And actually, I love where we're at. We're sitting at a dining room table with a rosca right behind us <laughs> and food. And I love food. Um, so I think I'm going to end up getting fat on this podcast. But um, after this short break, we're going to bring together our guests from the Missionary Senegal family. Hey, did you know that our podcast is sponsored by Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. All right. Hello, we're back. And we're back at the right dining room table. We got food in front of us. And as usual, we're going to do some introductions so that you guys know, you know, not putting the face to the voice, but the voice to the person. So we always start to the left because that's clockwise. Um, so you guys know me. I'm Catholic.dad, actually, Arnell. Um, I'm a forever husband, a former youth minister, and um, now doing podcasts with Valeria. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's introduce ourselves. This person to my left. Oh, my name is Mark McGuthrie, father, grandfather, hmm. um, faithful servant, hopefully to the Lord. Uh, I'm a member of the Missionary Cynical family. I'm part of the founding branch, the lay branch. I am a member of the Missionary Cynical Apostolate. And you'll hear much more about what I do later. Definitely we're going to have to hear that because you just said a big word, yes. apostolate. What is that about? So make sure if I forget to ask, bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> and we have our guest host all the time, my co-host. My co-host? Oh, I mean, no. your co-host. <laughs> uh, you are the co-host. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Valeria Casada, and 
junior at Kaiser High School, and I play tennis, and that's some fun facts about me. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Brother John Skradinsky. Um, originally from Pennsylvania. I'm out here living on the West Coast now oh. for less than about four months. How do you like that? Like, loving the weather, <laughs> loving the weather. It's uh, enjoying the time out here. Yeah, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. And, and they're great people, wonderful people. Awesome. Anyway, I'm a brother uh, in, the, in the order of the Missionary Servants of the Most Holy Trinity, which is one of the branches of the Seneca family. So, um, and uh, I'm currently the director of our formation house here in Riverside. So that's the first step for young men who are looking to join our congregation. So I uh, am living with them in this house and also doing some vocation promotion. Awesome. Hello, my name is Carlos Felix. I was in formation for about five years with the Missionary Servants of the Most Holy Trinity. It's the same uh, branch as Brother John. Um, I am taking some time to discern, so I'm not in formation now. I'm trying to find the place God wants for me personally. But you're in formation, right? With what? <laughs> Who are formation with now? Oh, yes. You I am, I am, this week. Uh, yes. I'm uh, in formation now with the Missionary Senegal Apostolate. That's the lay group Mark's with and Patty as well. Uh, and so many other members. This is the group that, uh, that um, like Mark said, founded our whole family. But it's also the group that seems uh, so inviting everywhere I go. Okay. Thank you. Would like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Patty Ruiz, and I'm a part of the Missionary Seneca Apostolate. I've, I've been part of this family since 2014. And yes, actually, I was consecrated here in this house, mm. one of the only ones, only ones. right? Yeah, only ones. Mm. Um, so it's been an adventure. Um, and I'm I do religious education for fun. Huh? <laughs> and it's fun. It is fun. It's it fun. fun. We can tell stories about that fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this whole thing, we're, we're at your formation house. And it's a beautiful house. We've been here before. We had a retreat here before. And love that chapel. Love the, your living environment, the library, everything, your little plaza there. It is... It is a place where truly you can be comforted, where, you know, it's so warm and inviting in this house. So, um, Mark, tell us, tell us what, what this order is. What is, what is the missionary cynical family about? Tell us what that, you, you mentioned earlier what the apostolate about, but so tell our listeners what, what that's about, you know, because we've never heard, you know, most people never heard of it. Right, yeah, right. I mean, I've never yeah. heard of a apostolate yeah. in my whole life. Yeah, yeah I told Valeria, I was like, yeah, we're, we're doing a podcast. And she said, with who? <laughs> so I said it, and I, and I had to look it up because I'm like, I, I've known you guys, but I just can't remember it. You know, it just doesn't flow real easily. Mm. You know, so, yeah. um, so. There's, a, there's a lot of missionary groups and a lot of different organizations for lay people to get involved with in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when Father Judge wanted to recruit some lay people, this kind of a novel idea to get lay people to get involved with ministry work. There was so much the priests did as far as reading and doing the masses and everything else. He really didn't get lay people involved. Uh, but he thought lay people could do things that maybe priests, brothers, or sisters couldn't do, just simply be able to outreach to people because they were similar, going through the similar type situation. Because oftentimes we had 
priest go to people's home, knock on the door, and he open the door and see if his father there with his clerical collar on. And immediately they say, everything is fine, good, I'm so glad you came, Father, but see you at Mass and close the door. But behind the door they were having issues and problems, but they didn't feel comfortable expressing it to the priest. So he'd send people, lay people out to knock on the door and find out what's going on. And they could find out things, why kids were not being baptized, why they were not going to church, why they weren't getting married and having the sacrament of marriage. So there's a lot of things that lay people could discover and they could feel comfortable talking about because it wasn't a clerical setting, it was just two lay mm-hmm. people talking to each other. So he, he kind of founded this organization to be able to do outreach in the community and do some of the work that they were getting, I guess you consider blocks, blockage to, but they could, act, uh, by working with the priest, if they needed sacramental things or confession, then that's what the priest could step in and do that. Mm-hmm. And we could make that transition from outreach from the church out to the street, back to the church, and be a connective, like a bridge exactly. between the two. And it can empower lay people to actually be active in ministry, which people had a, a desire to do. There were great prayer organizations that you could go and be actively praying with, but doing missionary type work or outreach was very limited. Mm-hmm. So to be able to be engaged and be able to take your spirituality and put it into practice and do it on the street was very empowering. And the first people that did it were women. And, and normally you think about the church, it's kind of like the last people getting invited in is the women. This time the women were the forefront to make this happen because women were at that time, a lot of women still were homemakers. Yeah. So they were at home and these other ladies could go and have that in conversation, engage them over a cup of tea, coffee, or just sit down at the table and dialogue. And that opened up a lot of opportunities to even enrich Father Judge's ministry. And there's a lot of things we can tell you, stories of what the sisters and what the women did in different parts throughout the United States and things they did with African-Americans down in the South when other people wouldn't deal with them, but we invited them in and educated children down there and gave them opportunities that other people weren't affording them at the same time. And we were also ostracized a lot of times when we went in because we're Catholics in a non-Catholic setting in the mm-hmm. South. But because of the works that we did and who we worked with, it actually opened up the opportunity to learn more about the Catholic faith and what Catholicism was. And some of that relationships were actually broadened and actually started to work together. And I think Father, uh, Brother John can tell us about when we had the incident about the fire and how that brought people together down in the South when we lost one of our houses down there. And we did what was going to happen after we lost our house and how people took us in. Wow. And we didn't have any place to be anymore. So it's interesting things that have happened. Wow, that's, that's amazing. You know, this, that totally connected. As you said, the connection is, you know, growing up, growing up, you, you always thought that everything that was done, you know, the priest did it. And if the priest didn't do it, then the nuns did it. All we did was we go home, we pray, and we pray the rosary, we go to mass, we do our things, be an usher, things like that. But what you're saying is this started way in the 1900s, 1915, 1909, where you were providing opportunities for people to be missionaries. Because I remember growing up to be a missionary, well, I had to be a brother or a priest or, or someone. It's like not a lay person. You know, not, and you're saying like entire families now because you, your wife, um, yes. you, you know, you guys invited me one time. It was like entire families were serving together as missionaries. I'm like, what? It's like, are you sure you guys aren't Protestant? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's usually what you envision. It's like, oh, oh well, yeah, the, the, yeah, we let our priests and our sisters do that. Oh, yeah. But you guys are affording people that opportunity. Tell us a little bit more about how can someone get involved and be part of that opportunity to be part of the missionary Seneca family. 
Yeah, well, I just wanted to mention also that um, this was sort of, well, it was a forerunner of what Pope Francis actually talks about now in terms of being missionary disciples. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it's really, Father Judge was is sort of seen as a pioneer in this kind of um, lay apostolate, they might call it, because he felt that every Catholic was called to be an apostle. So like you said, and as Mark was mentioning, so much work to be done, but uh, it, not all has to be done by the priests and sisters and brothers. In fact, that would, there wouldn't be enough there to go would. around. They would just wouldn't be able to get the work done. And, you know, we are the church. The people are the church. So, and the church is a church that's on mission. So, uh, that, that, in that particular case, uh, all people are called to be, you know, apostles and to do the missionary work. And that's what he was trying to instill in the hearts of the people. And, and it, it caught on. It caught on with a lot of... Uh, caught on with a lot of... Uh, uh, quickness and, and moved throughout uh, the East Coast and then when he moved down to the South in Alabama it followed him down there as well so yeah I just wanted to make that point but you mentioned about how to sort of become a part of this family well we have we have four branches we have uh, the priests and the brothers we have a branch of the sisters uh, missionary sisters as well we have the lay missionary Santa Paul apostolate as uh, uh, Mark and Carlos and Patty are members of. And there's also a secular institute called the Blessed Trinity Missionary Institute. So there's four branches of this family. Um, and I think it's just a matter of each of the branches and wherever they find themselves, wherever we're, whether we're individually living in one particular place or there are several branches living together, besides doing our own missionary work and our, mm -hmm. and our, our apostolate and stuff like that, we're always certainly looking for those who might have caught the the, uh, the fire of, of, of being an apostle in their lives or wanting to do apostolic works to help people in need mm -hmm. or to spread the good news. And I think it's in those interactions, in those relationships that we build with people, little by little, we, they get to know us and we might even you know, get to a point where we tell them more about who we are and what we do and invite them into to finding out more, come and see. So that's really how it begins, would, yeah. would begin. To piggyback off Brother John's point, and I was thinking about it. Uh, vocation is what we're talking about when you talk about it. So it's a way of life. And it's something you, as Charlie was talking about, discerning is walking with God, trying to figure out what is God wanting me to do, not uh, immediately what I want to do, but what is God asking me to use my talents for and my gifts for. And I think the way I used to channel a lot of people into the missionary cynical apostolate was through the vocation office. Even though it's the missionary service of the Most Holy Trinity for brothers and priests, but I used to get young women would contact me as a vocation director, and they would contact me as people maybe in their 30s or 40s were looking something more to do in a sense of work and missionary work. So they go to the vocation office, and the vocation minister will often contact myself. Uh, I'm in this area particularly in Southern California. They give me the name of the person, the phone number, and I would reach out to them and talk to them about how we, what we do, how we do it, and invite them in to come and see and walk with us and see if they like this, is, discern if this is a vocation or not. Because we don't have a specific website for our branch. But That's what do, I was about to we ask. We do have one for the uh, priests and the brothers. The sisters have one, and also the Blessed Trinity Mission Institute. And they all have vocation directors all of them. We don't have a vocation director for our particular branch. So basically you're saying is it's by invitation. It's, it's your, in, your invitation. It's, it's, and I think... With regards to the people that I know who serve, and I know Patty, I know you, Mark. It's that people see in you, and they're they're intrigued by you, and they're says, "What do you do, and where do you get that?" and 
And with Patty, she says, well, I'm a missionary servant. <laughs> and it's like, uh, what is that? And I, I think people are attracted to that fire. Um, and I think that's the first invitation. I love seeing that. But, um, but yeah, did you have a question? Yeah, I do have a question, actually. Um, what makes the missionary servants different from the other missionary orders? Both of you guys know. You study, you, you, you live it. I do it, too. <laughs> yeah, so since I was in formation, I think one of, the, one of the main points that we especially strive for is to make every Catholic an apostle. And this means um, helping everyone to be more involved in the church. And um, as we were talking, that's inviting lay people to be participants in the church. So asking not just, um, oh, you're going to be a priest or brother, you can help in the Mass. No, it's every person, every lay person can give their part to help in their community, in their church. And we especially work to help uh, foster their growth so that they can work in their community. And help others to grow in, in their relationship with God as well. And not only that, but I think one of the things that we also strive for is in the ordinary things in life. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you're a missionary? What, what country are you going to? Mm-hmm. And no, this is in the regular circle that we move in with the people who we work with, the people we go to school with, the people that we run into in everyday settings. I, I, I love that statement because every time that you do hear mission, oh, you're going to Nicaragua, Brazil, right. and you're going to the Congo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, oh, you mean you're going to Thailand to serve? And so people envision missionaries as going off somewhere. And what I see, you guys, is you guys are going to the new evangelization, which is home, exactly. where, where people are. And you guys are doing an amazing, amazing job with regards to that. So when we come back a little bit, we're going to go deeper with regards to the seminarians and what's life like and what is your mission? What have you been doing? How are you intentionally going out to mission to people? And tell our young people and our not so young people and our people like me who is kind of young, kind of old, um, <laughs> what should we do? I mean, what can we do um, to be part of this family and to learn more about this family? So we will be right back. We are back again with this interview with the Missionary Seneca family. Great information. We're learning. Hopefully, you guys are listening out there, taking notes. Um, yeah, take notes. But if you're driving, don't take notes. Um, you know, listen to it again in the podcast. So we have um, the Missionary Seneca family here, and we actually do have a seminarian in uh, you know discerning vocation. And I have a question for you. Yeah, are you ready? It's like, so I've always wanted to know. And, you know, it's like, these are questions that, you know, our young people want to ask, but we're too afraid to ask. So first, got, you know, just throw it out there. So the celibacy thing. That celibacy thing doesn't bother you? Uh, no, not me. Um, I know people have different tendencies, different personalities, so it might affect others differently. But I think... What helps me in particular is to kind of look at the situation from a different angle. Um, many people think uh, it's natural to have sex, natural to have pleasure. And mm-hmm. yeah, okay, those things do take place. And yeah, that's natural and it's healthy in the, in the right relationship. Um, but for me, the reason that it's so natural, so healthy is because of love. 
And when you look to, um, to work in community, you find love from that community. Mm-hmm. So the love that I get from working with community and, and missionary cynical family helped me to overcome those urges. So it's, it's, it's not so much looking at, oh, I'm being deprived of pleasure. It's looking at, I'm finding my, uh, a source of love from working with the family. That, that is that is beautiful you said that you know one, one of the things that resonated to me is one one of the young people one time says why does love have to equate sex and and that resonated to me because you know there's many forms of love and you're finding this love and family and companionship and patty you know you are consecrated single right so uh same question the celibacy thing consecrated single Years ago, when I um, entered the convent, I um, experimented. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, you entered into the convent? I think this is like, people don't know this about Patty. Let's throw this out there. It's like, let's, let's, let's put that mic a little closer. Patty went into the convent? I was in the convent. Um, Our Lady of the Pious Schools was a congregation based in Barcelona, but we were, I was living in Northridge. Um, but when I left, a lot of people said, what? And the word that they used was, you'll never know what an orgasm is. And I was like, well, what is it? And I, you know, I, I was wondering and they kind of explained it. But then I said, but wait a minute, I've had one of those that I, what you have? And then I said, yes, I've had something like that similar in prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're an to me, I don't know if it's, it's it, what you would call it ecstasy or whatever, but mm-hmm. where you're so deep in prayer that you forget about everything. You're touching heaven, literally, through prayer. So when they were comparing it to having a partner who you share sex with and having prayer, to me, I just didn't see a difference. I mean, I don't know... People will be scandalized about that, but, <laughs> but to me, it was enough. It was enough. Um, but I left the convent. Um, as Charlie said, it's a process of discernment. You know, you, you realize mm-hmm. if God wants you there or not. And yes, God wanted me to continue serving Him, but not at that level. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. We'll learn more about Patty. Um, <laughs> when you guys see Patty at church, make sure you ask her for more information. <laughs> But, but Charlie, I want to know, what do you do at seminary? So when I was in formation, um, much of the time I spent was mostly in school, studying. Um, yes, it was normal college GE stuff, general education at the community college here in RCC. But also we had um, individual, well, not really individual, but group classes with our formator. And we take that time and we talk more about spirituality in that formation with our formator. So it was, um, yes, education at the college and at the same time, education in spirituality to get to know, more, to get to know the community more and to get to know about um, our relationship with God as well at the same time. And just to uh, chime in here, this is Brother John. Um, you, have, you heard uh, Carlos say formation for a congregation like ourselves, um, and most religious congregations, we don't really use the word seminary in some ways. We use, mm-hmm. like he said, houses of formation, because for those who are entering religious life, uh, it's not just going to 
study theology somewhere. It's all about um, uh, the other aspects of your life as well, learning about the vow of life, learning about um, what it is to be a religious, whether it's a priest or a brother, mm -hmm. uh, living in community, prayer life together. So there's a lot of things that is helping form a person into the missionary, the priest, the brother that they're going to be that's beyond just taking theology classes. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's an important thing that uh, most religious uh, think congregations would sort of um, differentiate than just saying yeah. seminary. I think that demystifies the whole concept of, of, of young people going into, into vocation, uh, religious vocation, is, is the fact that a lot of people, even me when I was growing up, was I, I didn't want to go into a seminary where I had to go in a, a cell and come out and wear my robes and, you know, and chant and do this. And so, it was what was shown in the movies. Mm -hmm. And that's what I pictured. And we need to break that whole idea because I think our young people still believe that. Mm -hmm. um, so in addition, so while we're talking about that, have you seen a growth in young people entering in, into religious vocation, into brothers, priests, and sisters, and well, and versus uh, lay missionaries, is there an increase in both? Or is there a decrease? We're always talking about that there's a decrease in vocations. Mm -hmm. Has there been an increase? Well, in terms of our congregation, um, it's interesting because we are, a lot of congregations will be divided up into provinces. Like, for mm -hmm. example, these international congregations that we've talked about, Franciscans, they'll have provinces like the west coast of the United States, the east coast, and then all the other countries will be different provinces. For us, we're just one province. We're one group. And so mm -hmm. that encompasses the U.S. and Latin America, as well as Haiti now as well. So our, um, our vocations are, are more plentiful in Latin America. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been the case for quite a few years. Um, in the states, we're trying to we're trying to work hard to keep the numbers uh, to keep the numbers flowing and to working hard to you know search high and low throughout the United States um, to have young men who are interested in religious life. So I, I'd say we're we're holding our own and we're mm -hmm. and we're hopeful, um, but we we definitely have had um, some continual uh, at least maintaining the numbers, if not some growth in the congregation do it especially to, to Latin America but again um, there could be more there there's definitely there could be a lot more um, and we're sort of at a point now where if we continue bringing in the same numbers and the men are dying at the same rate we're going to continue being the same number for, for you're going to break come. even yeah we're going to break even <laughs> so uh, yeah definitely need more so so what could people like me an older Catholic and a younger Catholic like Valeria do to help that, to help foster vocation. Mark? Well, the first thing is what you're doing right now. Talking about it. Uh, breaking the mystification that it's something detached from the rest of the world. Charlie, Brother John, myself, Pat, we all live in the world and we work in the world. Our founder also didn't want our men to wear religious collars when they're not serving at the altar. They wore the regular shirts and ties or, or jeans and polo shirts and walk among us. And a lot of times you'll even know our priest or priest. Mm -hmm. They'll sit and play basketball with you, do stuff and whatever, and engage people the way Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Jesus, he was wearing the garb and the dress of the day. 
He wasn't wearing ceremonial robe. That was just the dress of the day to be accepted among the people. And he walked among the people. He ate, drank, and played amongst the people. And that's what our priest brothers and we lay people, non-consecrated, non-vowed people do, is live among the people, work. Now, thinking of concrete things that I know that I did specifically, we have a rosary ministry at St. Mary's. And because of my vocation, I was able to work with the uh, director, who is now the, the, the director of the ministry, to encourage and develop her to be able to get Angie to go ahead and take that to Father and get that ministry started. But I, I'm a part of it indirectly, but I don't run the ministry. Mm -hmm. But I was able to work with another person that wasn't a priest or a sister and empower that person to take it to the priest, present the ministry, and get it going. I got my daughter involved in confirmation. Mm -hmm. I went and did confirmation for a while to lead and show that how it's done. And then she followed in behind me and then she did that. And now she does the quinceaneras. So a lot of what we do with making apostles is making active Catholic people in their faith. Not just going to mass, but doing something that they feel comfortable and called to do and encouraging and developing that skill with them. And they're not members of the missionary cynical apostolate, mm -hmm. but they are people that have walked with the missionary cynical apostolate. So maybe they don't feel their calling is to live the lifestyle that I've chosen, but I can empower them through the skills that I've mm -hmm. learned through this family to empower them. And the vocational call is something that I think we just need to have the, the conversation that try it, you may like it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have a lot of fear of that. And the, the competition that Brother John has and the missionary cynical um, priest and sisters have Years ago, 1909 and before, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to get involved other than through religious life. So you really have any competition. Now you've got the Marinals, you've got all kinds of organizations that you can get involved with that you don't have to become religious to actually do work in the church and feel like you're doing something. And you can allow yourself to get married and do a lot of things that don't give you mm -hmm. the same uh, restringent guidelines that maybe it will be to be a sister or a brother or a priest. So there's, I think, why the numbers are kind of looking different because the options are so plentiful now. And discernment is a process. I think we kind of lost it, and you guys may can confirm this with me. I was learned the word courtship mm -hmm. before we did marriage. Mm -hmm. And the courtship was supervised. We have a chaperone with us tonight. Oh, yeah. And when I lived in Mexico, I lived in Taiwan, China, that's where I went to school. We, I had a chaperone when I dated my girlfriend in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Her elder sister or aunt would go with me and sit at the table with me while I was talking to her to get to know her. There was mm -hmm. no alone time. There was no unsupervised time. And after we had gotten, if, if the relationship had progressed far enough and I had been asked for the hand, at that point, then maybe we might get an evening where we might be able to go out someplace alone to spend some alone time supervised at a distance. And then after we got married, then we'd be able to do that. But right now, with the way that things are so accelerated through the movies, you meet somebody at a bar, you go home and you sleep with them. We, don't, we didn't learn anything about the person mm -hmm. until the next day. Sometimes I don't remember the person's name. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different dynamic that's changed how we look at courtship and discernment if we like someone. If I, it's kind of more like, do I feel right in the moment? I'll do it now. More spontaneous. And vocation, either to my lifestyle, Brother John's, or any other branch of any kind of religious order, is a process. Mm -hmm. And you have to have one thing that a lot of people don't have today, patience. I mean, you go to a stoplight and the light turns green, people are honking, they don't have patience anymore. You need patience to discern. And there's a lot of downtime, right, Charlie? Mm -hmm. Of prayer, of introspection. Is this what you're asking me to do? Mm -hmm. 
and a lot of challenging moments to go through. A lot of people want to go through all that. They want something immediate, fast, where I can point, click, and have it come delivered tomorrow. And it doesn't happen that way for this lifestyle or for Brother John's. Wow. So it's not like Uber Eats. I can't just order and say, hey, <laughs> no. And there's no, no receipt, no return. No receipt, no return. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, so that's amazing. You know, that word patience has been coming around all week with me. You know, the priest gave me a penance says, be patient. Do you understand mm. what that means? And so he had explained to me the whole thing with regards to Christian patience. It's been coming around, you know, the, that fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's something with our young people. And, and you touched it right there. I mean, that connected with me. What you said is we have to continue to walk with young people and guide them and provide them the opportunity to be the coordinators and the leaders in ministry where they're serving. So it's kind of a way. It's a stepping stone with regards to seeing courtship. That really touched me because I thought I was the only one. I had to court my wife and somebody said her aunt was in the room. I was like, oh, I grew up in America. I said, why are you in here? We went, uh, we were 25 going out on a date. And I had a chaperone and she had a chaperone. It's like, wow, talking about you had to bring a lot of money. You had to pay for four people. <laughs> pay for four people. But... Okay, my my what did you have another question, Valeria? Actually, I had two. Like, you know how you guys were talking about lay and charisma and all that. Mm -hmm. Like, what exactly is what what does lay mean and what does charisma mean? Charism? charism? No, charism. Charism. Okay. Yeah, my bad. My bad. You want to take lay? So, lay people are. It's just a term for everybody who isn't consecrated. So, priests and brothers and and sisters. They go before a bishop and they make their vows and they have this formal ceremony. Everybody else who doesn't have that formal ceremony is layperson. Mm -hmm. You know, charism you want to do, Brother John? Charism. Well, the, the word that you said in terms of charisma is connected to that <laughs> because it, uh, the charism is of a congregation, uh, for example, um, is the what the founder had in mind in terms of the, the type of vision, the type of spirit that is within that congregation. So the charism might be more towards being teachers, it more, might be more towards being missionaries, it might be more in a variety of ways of, of serving the poor. So there, each particular congregation has a charism that sort of uh, was the way in which the founder chose to live out God's will in, in their life and, and attract others to do the same thing. So it does have to do with sort of the charisma of, in some ways, of, of the person, but also really what's the, the actual mission thrust of that, of that congregation. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you. And while you were there, what is the charism of, of this family? I say every Catholic being an apostle, one part of it. That's what I was trying to tell you is Angie, someone who's a lay person, wasn't vowed, had an idea, and then she needed some help and counseling how to do that, how to take her mission from prayer into action, become an apostle. Mm -hmm. So she worked with me on how to do that. Uh, we set up the marriage ministry at St. Mary's, which was a big cynical at one time. Uh, it's now a ministry that actually brings people in and gets people married. That's another thing. We were groomed by a priest. Uh, a father, uh, Cliff, came in and talked to us and brought in another group of lay people to teach us how to do the ministry work, how to get people married within the confines of the Catholic Church mm -hmm. and have to offer that sacrament to people who hadn't had that opportunity before. So those were ways that we got people out of just prayer and receiving um, communion and mass 
to actually putting their faith into action and doing good for others. And they became mm-hmm. apostles. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Father Cliff because Father Cliff, for those people who know, remember St. Mary's. St. Mary's priest was Father Cliff. Exactly. So, so we Mission weren't Columbans all our lives. No. Right? Right. We, we, uh, some people still remember that big giant cross that was in front of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, not longer there, but people still remember and talk about that. So for you, you young people, uh, I don't think you were born back then. <laughs> so <laughs> so well, one of the things I, I wanted to ask, you know, at this point, what do you want to tell us? What do you want? What other things do you want to tell us about your family? And tell our listeners out there to invite them or what more, what specific thing do you want to tell them? I mean, I would just say, um, similar to what we've been saying already, that for, for all Catholics to recognize the fact that the mission territory is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. When you leave your home, you're in mission territory. When you're in your home, you're in mission territory. When you leave your home, you're in mission territory. And that um, we don't, you know, just as Pope Francis says, be a missionary disciple, you know, go out and smell like a sheep and go out to the peripheries. We're all called, uh, the church is a church in mission and we are members of the church. We are the church. So each of us has an impact, something that we can do in our lives and in in the providence of our daily lives, the people that we meet in school or at work. And, and we can make a difference with uh, the way that we treat each other, the way that we smile, the way that we love one another, the things that we do. And we're being missionary by doing that. You know, you don't have to be up, you know, in the words that you say or be very preachy about it. You know, you can you can be a missionary uh, and you can be an apostle without a preaching. You can do it through your actions, through your word, you know, through everything that you, you do. And so that's the biggest thing uh, I, I would just say to encourage all of us to recognize that and to accompany each other on that journey. Nice. That, was, that was a nice um, response. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Brother John. <laughs> <How's> that? <laughs> that is family. So, you know, it's, uh, I love the fact that, that the, the things that you guys are saying, you know, I was, I was reading up on Father Judge, and one of the things that really resonated to me in reading is that he said this, the gift of the Holy Spirit blossomed from within willing persons into a new spiritual family. Willing persons. And the whole thing with regards to, uh, you know, I, I've known Patty, I've known Mark. Every single time I've, I've met you guys and seen you guys working with people, the one thing that I can say that you two are is invitational. You're always so invitational. You're always so welcoming. And I think that's what attracts people to the two of you and attracts people to you, Carlos, and, and you, Brother John, is that, you know, just like Valeria and Diana here, you guys are welcoming. You guys, you know, people aren't afraid to come to you. I mean, there's people who say, oh, I'm not going to come near them. But you guys come to people. I remember, the, how, how did I meet Patty? Patty said, will you, will you teach religious uh, education? I said, I will. Yeah. I, yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Look at now. Diana's now taking over VBS. So it grows. You know, it blossoms. You're a missionary so, too. So the Holy Spirit has blossomed from that moment now to Diana, who's going to invite 200 kids Amen. in the summer. Excellent. <laughs> Not 200. Well, you know, we're going to come back and we're going to ask these guys a question. 
who their patron saint is, but more importantly, if they have something, what would be their patronage as a saint? So again, we're back, fam, and our most favorite part of the podcast, we're going to ask our guests, like, who's their patron saint? Or, better yet, when you become that saint, and we come to pray for you, and we build that statue, what would be your patronage? So, who wants to, who's brave enough to uh, go out there, you know? So. Well, my favorite saint is St. Rita of Cassia. She's one of my babes, one of the things that I admire about her is that she was persistent. Persistent. Yeah. So when you know that God is calling you to do something, if the world is against you, God continues opening the door. So you just have to do it. So, so, Patty, what would you be the patron saint of? St. Patricia of Fontana. St. Patty Ruiz of Fontana is the patron saint of... Anybody want to throw something since she, if she doesn't say it? Persistence. Persistence. Wow. Oh, okay. Persistence. Uh, yeah, that's how you got us to be um, catechists. Yes. yes. St. Patty, pray for us. <laughs> Persistence. I wish. Persistence, <laughs> Carlos. Persistent. How about you? Um, I'm not sure if there's any patron saint particularly, but I think something that God has always like called out to me is to involve... Um, even while being in university to be involved with religion it's not uh, a disconnect between the two so education and religion at the same time can be very beautiful very fulfilling so I think that would be something that uh, I would hope to help others with but I hope in particular to help me as well patron saint we need more patron saints of students struggling in school we do yes we do there you go. And you're so patient. She's always like this. Brother John. Wow. Well, I guess my patron saint would be St. John the Baptist. John mm. the Baptist. There um, you go. So I took my confirmation name. I just got really creative and picked, chose John. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> so I guess everybody was asking me, is it John the Evangelist? Is it John the... But I was sort of always lean towards the, you know, John the Baptist. So. I think it was like a missionary kind of thing there going on. You always want to lose your head. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But uh, no, I enjoy obviously the um, uh, he must increase, I must decrease. Amen. The humbleness of uh, humility, I should say, of of John the Baptist. If I were to be uh, the patron saint, I think it would be of um, walkers. People who like to walk. Mm -hmm. I'm a big walker. Mm -hmm. I know all around Riverside now. Yeah. He's only been here a couple of months. He's, exactly. He's yeah, been on every there. corner now. But um, yeah, I like it a lot. It's it's uh, good exercise, but it's also very um, helps release stress. It's very prayerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd also say he's a patron saint of um, social justice. He has a law degree, and he's used it to help a lot of immigrants in this country receive mm-hmm. status and get their lives together. So I give him also the patron saint of uh, saving lives. And uh, immigration. Amen. You know, the great thing is, you know, the Holy Spirit just guides us and, and brings us together because this youth group that they're in is very involved with regards to social justice and is, is looking at with regards to trying to come up with proposals on how to get that. And so maybe after this, you know, I know this isn't a podcast, so it's going to be for sure. Get you in contact with Victoria, Dana, and Andrea, and Diana, and uh, Sarah. 
from our youth group yeah. to talk about that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, what's really big in our order is also systemic change. Systemic Look changes. that up. That's an interesting concept. That's System. going beyond just feeding them with fish, but teaching them how yeah. to fish. Write that down. Maybe we'll do a podcast on that, but let it even lead it. Systemic change. Yeah. Big words. Look that up. Google that. Google that, baby. Mark, I think I, I, have, a, I have a patron saint for Mark, but you know, let's, let's hear what... I, I, I had a friend of mine who's a Christian who came in and told me that they won't recognize you from the day that you got diagnosed with cancer to the day that you were healed. And there's a transfiguration that's going to happen. So I was thinking of my baptismal name is Peter. My name mm-hmm. is Mark Peter. I was married by Father Peter at St. Peter's Church in San Pedro, California. Someone's trying to tell you something. Definitely yeah. a huge change there. There's definitely a deep, intimate relationship with God. But the transfiguration pieces, I think... So I'd be the saint of transfiguration, major change, not just temporal change, but complete change, uh, unrecognizable newness, shall we say. Unrecognizable newness. Yeah, I have to share because, because I always looked at the fact that, you know, when he says, be blessed and be third, I always looked at you. Mm. Because I always looked, it's like, oh, who's, who in my eyes are, are living lives as third? And it's Patty. And it's always been you because you've always put Christ first Amen. and you've always put others and then you've always put yourself third. And so the epitome of being, having people be third is you and Patty who brought me to, to understanding of this. You know, I, I always do my end of the year and this is our first podcast of the year taping, but I've always done my end of the year with regards to um, who inspired me and, and uh, you know, I, I label all these things and who does this. And I usually pick, you know, the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, who fits this, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and who fits this. But this year, you know, I announced this, I only had two with regards to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And Patty is the one who bears all those fruits. Amen. Aww. And you're the one who I chose that bears all those gifts. And it's, those are the two people who inspire me with regards to this. And... The reason why I share that is because we're doing this podcast with the missionary servants of the Holy Trinity, mm-hmm. and you guys epitomized for me that last year of what you were, what you've been doing through, what you were going through, what you were going through, and the persistence and the kindness and the love. I was like, wow! If anyone, those two, and then when you guys said, yeah, let's do this podcast, I was like, God is answering. Mm-hmm. So. So, you know, we don't do our patronages because we're the hosts. (laughs) We're exempt because people are tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. So we want to thank you guys for this evening, inviting us and and including us in your family. You know, we want to invite everyone to go out there who's listening to this podcast to look up on your computers, on your phones, missionary servants of the whole, most holy trinity. You know, the, some of the things, it's like he has had four. It's like there are so many. I got lost looking it up. So missionary servants of the most holy trinity, missionary servants of the most blessed trinity, blessed trinity missionary institute. There, there's just so many. But I think where, where I found you guys was the fact that, you know, your symbol, the symbol that you have is this 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 triangle with the Holy Spirit. I love that because, um, well, it's cool. It's a really cool symbol. So, you know, everyone who's listening out there, look them up. 
come visit them. Their formation house is in Riverside. It's a beautiful, beautiful church. St. Francis the Sales. So if you're going shopping, patron saint of shoppers. My <laughs> wife's patron saint. You know, it's, it's not the patron saint of shoppers. Just so, say that. So, um, so that's all we have for you all um, this time around. I hope you listen to our next episode of This Connected with Catholic.Dad. I want you guys to send us an email at catholic.dad50 at gmail.com with any comments regarding this podcast or any previous podcast or if you have any questions. You can also send us a voice message. The link's in the episode description. And maybe we'll put you on a future episode and answer your question or Valerio will answer your question. Don't forget, please rate this podcast and share it with your friends, parents, grandparents, teachers, total strangers. I don't know. Just go out there and evangelize. We just want people to like and share and listen to the good news. So remember, live a life of holiness. We'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. And most importantly, until next time, be blessed and be third. Amen. Well, there it is. This Connected Podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest, but not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin, located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out the cabin on Instagram at the cabin 2021 again that's at the cabin 2021 t h e c a b i n 2021